Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, rom-com aficionado, conductor of the now completely dead and defunct Devin Funches hype train, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, friends with the Oracle, loather of the Blind Zebra Confederation of the NFL, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would like kindly for all of you to wear a mask so that we can watch Cam Newton remind the NFL just how good he is, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and... I am joined by some of the guys. We have WNBA hot take machine, El Saboteur, the captain of the Buccaneers bandwagon, proud father of Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, according to Jimmy Graham, the best cornhole partner in the world, the coach whisperer, the wine sipperer, the Will Disleyer, working girl Jordan Smith, and fantasy football's premier internet doctor, the biggest 49ers fan you know, Larry Fitzgerald's lone admonisher, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, the teacher of the if you're not cheating, you're not trying mentality and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger, um, slightly mustachioed man, dare I say, uh, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Good, Pete. How are you doing? Good. I thought, you know, we are approaching the time period where we're going to come back with uh, two a week podcasts and uh, with that you know what let's roll out let's let's roll out the full introductions let's get people really to know who we are and let's spend you know the solid first two minutes of the show just talking about all of our accolades i feel like that's how you do when you got two shows two shows a week that's what happens i was gonna say did you like dig deep back into the vault and just pull out every single identifier that you've ever called us yeah i uh i had a i think a long time ago or not a long time ago probably at the beginning of this season so like at the end of last year i think i went back and kind of collected all of the different uh titles that i've ever given anyone and then i built a document of it and my initial thought was like all right we'll just like roll out two or three a week and I'll like fluctuate between them. And this way we get to like all the fun references. And then I stumbled for completely forgot about the document, recreated all of our new introductions, just what we've had for the show initially. And then today when I was doing notes, I was on my iPad and I stumbled upon that document and I was like, Oh man, some of these bringing back some real, real tender memories of way earlier iterations of the show. And I was like, well, we got to let's, let's at least bring it back from one episode. Maybe we'll never do the full, the full titles uh, ever again. But I thought, ah, you know what, for this one show, let's, let's at least bring them all back and, and bask in the glory. That is 191 episodes. You guys, it's pretty good. It's a lot of work lot. to, to yeah. look up introductions for us. Well, what I, else am I, I doing in my time? I tell you, I, I don't like any of them. Now you just got to start from scratch. <laughs> I want 10 new ones next week. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, I'll get on it. I'll get it right away. Um, 
Awesome. Well, we've got actual, a lot of actual NFL uh, news to kind of get to, and we are going to start our, as we're now into August. And like I said, I don't know if it will be this week. I think maybe this week, but at the very least soon, we will be starting to go back to uh, twice a week shows and that signals, even if it seems everything is running on track. So we will start treating as if the NFL season is going to be starting in September, which means fantasy drafts are going to be happening pretty soon uh, for all of you out there. And so we are going to start doing deep dives uh, into each division. So obviously today we are going to talk the South. We're going to do the AFC and NFC South uh, and kind of give an overview of those divisions as you get ready to draft moving forward into August. It's kind of crazy, you guys. In the my in my like uh, longest term league, I guess. Like I haven't even. I'm the commissioner for it, and I haven't even like reached out to everyone about when we're going to do things. It just feels surreal to be like. I guess it's time to start doing fantasy things. Like it, you know, we've. I feel like for so much of this uh, the show in this off season, we've all been kind of talking like hypothetically. Here's how it happens, and it feels weird to have like that time period of like actual action needing to be taken, kind of approaching. Yeah, I don't know who you guys play with, but I know for all of my home leagues, um, the general tenor, I play with mostly assholes, and the general <laughs> tenor of like trying to like wrangle these guys into getting ready for the season is like, it, it borders on either like zero enthusiasm or leave us alone, there isn't even going to be a season. It, there, there's a handful <laughs> of guys who are like, this is awesome. But yeah, I, it seems like the most folks don't think a season is going to happen. Um, and I don't know what the hell to think. I don't know how any sports league can survive without doing a bubble, but yeah. I think it'll start. I don't know if it's going to finish. Yeah. I've been dealing mostly with like my dynasty leagues. I have like one or two redrafts that I'll occasionally play in uh, every season, but we haven't had any discussions on what we're going to do. Um, we might just have to, proceed as normal while for my other dynasty leagues i figure out if i want to trade away all my draft capital for 2021 and you know try to recoup some players or something like that that's actually actually not a bad strat there jordan uh oh now i'm like now in my dynasty leagues i'm like ooh, maybe this is what maybe maybe i like this plan uh all right well let's uh let's talk nfl let's talk some news so we had two veteran players who have uh, found new teams to start off the news today or Monday breaking news was veteran tight end Jordan Reed signing with the San Francisco 49ers uh, to an incentive laden deal. And then last week, LaShawn McCoy signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nick, I don't know how much there really is to say about Jordan Reed. He's not really, hasn't really been able to show that he can stay on the field. And obviously he would be second fiddle to George Kittle. Woo! That's a nice little rhyme right there. Uh, so I don't know if you really want to touch on him, but LaShawn McCoy to the Buccaneers is certainly a signing worth taking a lot of note uh, and talking about fantasy-wise. I so okay. Well, as far as the Jordan Reed thing goes, I think it's like I think it's an awesome uh, real football move. It's a nice depth signing. Um, yeah, uh, Kyle Shanahan will know what to do with him. They, they, he coached him in, in Washington for a long time, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll be deployed really nicely. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a DFS week where he's viable. As far as the LaShawn McCoy thing goes, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he was washed and couldn't do anything in the uh, Chiefs offense last year. 
um, I think I, to me, it just signals Tom Brady wanted somebody who can pass protect. And I don't know if they're even going to give him the ball. Um, so I, I don't, I, I, it's not really moving the needle in a positive direction for me. Uh, I, we can work with two man backfields, but more than that, and it gets real dicey and I just kind of, I'm interested in swimming for warmer waters on this one. Not really wanting to get a piece of the, the Bucks backfield on it, unless it's really, really late. Yeah, I would say like the thing about the LaShawn McCoy signing is that it makes me have a little bit of pause on the draft stock of the other backs in that backfield, whether that's Keyshawn Vaughn or Ronald Jones, whoever you think is going to be a little bit better. Um, I, I feel like this is just kind of a get some talented bodies in camp type of move i'm not sure how much Lashawn mccoy might still have left in the tank i feel like if um who was it damian williams decided to sit out in kansas city um he might have been able to find his way back there for some added depth if andy reed wanted him back but i don't think they were really kicking the tires on that and yeah i'm just more so worried about the other running backs viability for a couple weeks here yeah, this kind of kills my Keyshawn Vaughn uh, hype. I was very excited about him, but uh, it seems, well, both a combination of kind of the COVID offseason and rookies already being a step back uh, in that sense, and then also bringing in LaShawn McCoy is not is not the best sign for him. I wouldn't, I think, I'm sure if you watch the tape, LaShawn McCoy didn't look great. The dude did average 4.6 yards per carry uh, with Kansas City last year, which is above his career average, so. Like it's, I don't know if he's, I think he's still got a little bit something there. Uh, and at the very least he's going to be, I don't think Ronald Jones is really going to challenge him and maybe Keyshawn Vaughn comes on later in the season. But if LaShawn McCoy is like decently healthy, I guess, I guess I think, I think there's value there in him. It depends on how, how much he, his ADP skyrockets now that this has happened. Like if, if he's, if he's going to be drafted as like an RB two, then that seems that is a bit rich for me. But if he's like, if you can get him as like kind of a flex option, then I feel like I, that's, I th- I think I literally, I think he's going to be the pass protector. I don't think he's going to do much more than that. I think Keyshawn Vaughn uh, will compete with the Ray Gumbawale to be the pass catcher. And the problem with Ronald Jones is he's one dimensional. He's, oh, he's Ronald Jones is trash. A he's rusher. And, well, but the thing is, I, I think Jones will get like 12 to 15 carries a game. I don't think he's going to get, he's a bad pass protector and he's not, he's not a good pass catcher either so I think it's just this like role-based backfield and and I think Jones will have the uh highest touch per game count but I just don't know that it's going to be anywhere near what his ADP will be and anyway yeah well I mean a a rolled uh, a backfield that's like everyone has their own individual role is a fantasy nightmare because you never want to have to deal with that uh Jordan you brought it up and so let's jump to it. Next in the news, Damian Williams did decide or did say that he was going to opt out of the 2020 season. A few other players have also done that. Uh, Devin Funches uh, and Marquise Goodwin, most notably in terms of fantasy. But Damian Williams obviously is the headliner here because of the fact that being in that Chiefs backfield, a lot of people, A, were he was the kind of cap on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's 
kind of like the excitement for him. Uh, but also people were kind of, I mean, I know we had talked about on the show is like Damian Williams is being a guy like not to sleep on in fantasy because of the fact that he could come in as the incumbent starter and kind of not really let up that job uh, super cleanly and quickly and easily to uh, CEH. Yep, that's right. Uh, but with Damian Williams out of the picture, Jordan, like, do you, what is your, what is the earliest you'd be willing to draft uh, CEH now? Um, well, let's, where is he going right now? Let's, let's take a gander, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how. Fantasy pros up. I do have the fantasy pros up right now. He's going RB 15, uh, according to fantasy and half point PPR and according to their collective, uh, ADP. All right. What round is that? 16 is these average pick, which means you're going what big middle, early middle of the second round. Dude, if we're looking on fantasy pros, uh, half point, I'm seeing, uh, Clyde as going to uh, number 28 overall. Yeah. I have him as the RB 15. That's why I'm at by. 15 okay um let's see here i, I always kind of try to judge who might be in and around that area yeah um i don't really i mean because the running back right after him is leonard fournette and i think we're going to talk about how much we don't want leonard fournette this season in a few minutes um chris carson that's could be a question mark melvin gordon is another question mark i guess i kind of like him where he's at i'm not going to be one of those guys who thinks that he's just going to be the the second coming of kareem hunt though where he's just like an rb1 you have to draft in the first round i i would sit back and wait for him to to come to me in that round so i had him and williams uh really close uh, I, I was I was super high on Damian Williams and I mean I, I think I had uh Clyde like I was I was way below ADP on Clyde I think I had him I'm trying to uh, pull up my top 100 right now uh but I think I had him as like the RB20 with Williams as like the RB like 23 or something like that they they were super close um Damian Williams going out is I think massive and so I rocketed him up to, uh, I believe, uh, like running back 11. Because what he's competing with now is Darwin Thompson, who I think is a, a role-playing bust. Um, DeAndre Washington, who I do really like, and, and I think that Andy Reid really likes. And something to keep in mind is that he played four years in Oakland, and then when he became a free agent, Andy Reid, you know, watched him as a division uh, rival for four years, went out and signed him right away. So we know that he likes him and what he brings to the game is a pass catching role. So uh, he, he brings value. And I do think that De- uh, DeAndre Washington will end up being somebody who you can flex most weeks. Uh, regardless of that, though, I think that Damian Williams, who was outstanding in the playoffs last year, like flashed RB1, not overall RB1, but like top 12 running back, uh, ability fantasy ability uh in, in the postseason when he was like finally health, healthy and everything last year um i think clyde goes from battling for 15 touches a game to assuredly getting 18 and i think as the season goes on he's going to be into the low 20s so for me this was damian williams opting out was uh a, a massive gave gave uh, clyde edwards a, a massive boost in my rankings yeah, I I'm still and, and this will be a theme as we as we approach the AFC and NFC deep dives. I I'm just I am very nervous about rookies this year. 
in terms of in terms of what their production is going to look like. And I understand that CEH is like walking into presumably this like excellent workload, uh, especially without Damian Williams. But I'm I'm wondering if if there is a move that Casey is going to make in terms of signing a veteran back, maybe Devontae Freeman, who's still out there. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just I think my worry is is I don't I think he is going to price himself out of any range that I feel comfortable in taking just because people are going to be so hyped on him uh, with all of this free time that like if he goes I mean if he's going uh, you have him you said he, he was your RB11 Nick Yeah and uh I would I would draft him aggressively at his his uh 28 overall ADP I'd I'd have no issue taking him in the in the second yeah. round Yes. End of the second round, beginning of third round, right? Like what you said with the 20th ADP, like that's where that would kind of be. Um, that I have no problem with. I'm my worries him getting pushed up to like the beginning of the second or even end of the back end of the first where it's like, do I, do I trust that he's going to be able to come in and, and be that impactful right away, especially on a, on a wonky off season, not entirely sold, but it's certainly very good news uh, for, for his fantasy value this year and, and for his fantasy value specifically to like start the season, just his fantasy value through the one game of NFL that we will have this year. Uh, little quick breaking news, not too much, uh, excitement here, but Quincy and was released by the jets. So kind of a bummer, but there you go. Uh, he hasn't been able Hang to stay healthy. That for Crowder stock. Yeah. That Jameson Crowder stock is, is now getting sky high. Uh, but Quincy Inunua has not been able to stay healthy for the Jets and was just released. So, uh, so the hope we'll see where he ends up. Uh, finally, in the news, I would say the thing to talk about is players are starting to get placed on the COVID reserve list, and we talked about this a little bit last week uh, in terms of there were some rookies who were placed on it. There have been a couple big name guys uh, who it's certainly to take note of. Now, this doesn't mean again that they have COVID, but it does mean that they are were in contact or they possibly do have COVID. Um, but names that have cropped up on that list, Matthew Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and TJ Hawkinson's for the lie for the lions, uh, Gardner Minshew cropped up for the Jaguars. And I also believe your boy, Nick, uh, Ryquel Armstead appeared on that list. Um, and then is there any other Jalen Samuels got put there? Is there any other big name guys who I'm missing who, who I, I just know Matt Stafford and Gardner Minshew were, were kind of big, big names james washington also for the for the steelers but i think that's kind of it for for big name guys um does this is this is the covid list i guess generally for you like nick is the covid reserve list worrisome for you at this point right now in terms of like actually having a draft impact in terms of what you're approaching fantasy wise are you just kind of like hey let's i hope they're healthy hope they get off the list but it's not really having a massive impact in terms of your draft strategy right now yeah, right now I'm not letting it bother me. Um, if I find out that they actually have it, then okay. But the given the fact that, that you can be on it just if you are known to have like right. been around someone who had it, I, I mean, that's pretty quickly here going to be everybody. So <laughs> well, you Fair. know, like, and I, and I don't just mean in football. It's it's going to be everybody. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not letting it bother me until somebody does have it, and somebody to monitor is Ezekiel Elliott, who did test positive, and um, that was a little while back, and he's he's spoken somewhat publicly about just kind of trying to catch his breath after it. He, I believe, he did say that it has had some linger lingering effects on his ability to breathe. He's got a month, so yeah. hopefully he's he's good to go. 
What about you, Jordan? Um, I'm just kind of thankful they're taking these sort of proactive stuff steps to monitor people, whether or not they have like tested, tested and tested positive for it with no symptoms, or if they were just generally running into people who might have tested positive for it. That's just good like contact tracing methods. Um, I am a little bit worried about whether or not like other players start to see like how many people show up on this COVID list and they're like, no, nah, look at all these people sitting on this COVID list. I have uh, like young children or I have right. like fragile people who might be in my home and I'm sitting out the season now, even though I've had no reason to be like, on a, on a positive list, they just take it upon themselves to be out. So that that's the the worry that I've got right now until like we actually start to see like some Miami Marlins level like Breakouts. discord. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the NFLPA and the NFL have have agreed on uh, or tentatively have agreed on the final kind of things, which would put the uh, opt out date I think either Thursday or Friday this week. Um, so yeah. if oh, go ahead. Well, it just keeps getting bumped back. Yeah. Last week it was Monday, and then the press release was something to the extent of, or something to the effect of uh, opt out deadline will be Tuesday or Wednesday, and then today it's Thursday or Friday. So they, they keep giving guys more time. Yeah. So, but to, to your point, Jordan, that it means that with this time or this deadline kind of keep getting pushed back, we could, we could start seeing more and more players uh, opting out. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for the news. All right, let's uh, take a quick ad break before we go further. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. Now let's get into um, some deep dive. So we'll start with the AFC South. And I also am realizing that I chose the South to start with because I felt like it was just a random place to start with. Cause normally you'd either start with the North or I guess like the East. I don't know. That's where my mind works, but I'm also realizing in a show that I know Clark was not going to be on picking the AFC South is kind of a dick move. <laughs> be like, suck it, Clark. You don't get to talk about your favorite team, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, so we're going to roll these out for each division. We are tackling the AFC and NFC South this week. Uh, and for each of these divisions, we have four players who we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a must draft. So this is a guy in my mind who I'm thinking of like in the first two to three rounds who like if they are on the board when you are picking, you select this player wholeheartedly. No worries. There's no, you know, no issues. This is the guy you go with. You are happy. Uh, a league winner. 
who's someone who you think is going to outplay their current ADP to the point where like they could really make a big, you know, maybe they leap from their being drafted as a wide receiver two or a flex. And you think that they could be a wide receiver one, that kind of, that kind of draft someone you're not drafting. Obviously I think that's self-explanatory. I don't like the term bust. I think this is a better way of doing it. It's just someone who maybe at their price point, you're not confident in them producing at that level. Uh, or you just have some worries about them as opposed to like thinking that this player is going to just completely shit the bed and be awful in fantasy. It's just maybe you're not willing to pay what they're currently going at. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hillar would be an example for me. Uh, and then a late sleeper, someone in the later rounds who you think could, uh, could certainly give you some good return on your investment. So AFC South, this is a nice reminder that the AFC South really doesn't have much going on. Uh, but <laughs> if we look at our must drafts and we wrote these all down, Nick, you and I, you and I share the same must draft. And I think that I think Derek Henry, this is the first year where I feel like we can go into fantasy drafts being like a hundred percent confident Derek Henry at his price point, you pull the trigger and you don't ask, like you don't look back. This is, this is the first time I feel like in his career where you do it and you're happy that you got him. Uh, I agree that this is a point in his career where you should do that. I, I did, uh, <laughs> did encourage the listeners to do that last year. Sure. Uh, sure, 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 sure. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, do you want to take the lead on explaining it and I, I can fill in the gaps? Sure. I mean, I guess I, for me, it's just like, you know, that he, you know, this Tennessee offense is a hundred percent constructed around him. You know, that they are going to give him a massive workload. They've signed him to a contract. Like everything is here for Derrick Henry to repeat what we saw last year. Now I'm not going to say he's going to repeat what we saw in the postseason last year, because I do think that was mildly an anomaly, but I do think that you are going to see Derrick Henry put together a full complete season of being the workhorse guy. Like every year so far, Derrick Henry has kind of ended that way. But at the start, the Titans have always seemed reluctant to necessarily give him the workload that he ultimately ends the season with. I think this is the season he's going to start with that workload. He's going to be a factor in the passing game with no Deion Lewis. He's going to be obviously the focal point in the ground game. Um, I just think that he's going, what is the RB6 right now? Like I, I would... Dalvin Cook is going ahead of him currently. Alvin Kamara is going ahead of him currently. I personally would not mind Derrick Henry over both those guys. Um, so I, I just think that Derrick Henry, I think you know exactly what you're getting when you draft him, and that is going to be a top five back unless he gets injured. Yeah, so um, something we've talked a lot about is that uh, going on Vegas win totals with chart football, the Titans have a deliciously soft schedule especially their run deliciously i like it yeah can i derrick henry's gonna eat um he's he's gonna get uh over 20 touches a game and i like what you said about the fact that Dion lewis is gone they replaced him with darrington evans who is a proficient pass catching back but he's a rookie and they have a total of eight padded practices to get this guy uh in, uh, you know, uh, insulated air uh, to get him into the playbook. What, what involved uh, Dion Lewis? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, Dion Lewis, he had 32 targets last year. Henry only had 24. We've talked about it before. I think this is the year that, that Henry could actually get maybe like over 50 targets. His one uh, screen pass that we all saw him house uh, 75 yards out last year was just incredible. And um, like, you know, uh, the, the phrase that that I, I uh, that Evan Silva likes to use is defensive backs have to make a business decision. 
when they see Derrick Henry barreling towards him and it is a one-on-one situation with a hyper-athletic 250-pound man, like, that's when you start thinking, like, okay, I, you know, I got to sign a new contract a year from now. Like, I can't get hurt. Um, So I I really like this. I I think, yeah, I think Henry's got uh, a massive workload incoming on uh, a really, really soft schedule. Yeah, agreed with anything. I was or with everything. I was gonna. I was gonna pick Derek. Jordan's agreeing with anything. Just, Whatever we say, he's on board with. With anything, um, <laughs> I was gonna pick Derek Henry because I was just like, this feels like one of the most obvious AFC South choices. Because without DeAndre Hopkins in in the zip code anymore, it's kind of tough. And um, yeah, I I definitely am like a little bummed. I feel like I'm a year too late on Derek Henry, but this time around, if if he's available at my draft spot, I'm definitely not going to be afraid to take him this year. But so you ultimately didn't go with Derrick Henry, did you, Jordan? No, I did not. Elaborate on why you've chosen, Jordan, that Derrick Henry is not your must-draft. Um, so my must-draft, I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I went with uh, DJ Moore um, just because I thought Moore had a productive year with bad quarterback play like remember Kyle Allen was his quarterback for a little bit wait what's it Kyle Allen just remember Kyle Allen or, in general I know as a there was like two there's like two Allens playing at one time like in Denver and like yeah Carolina um but he still managed again to have 135 targets last season um and I'm just kind of excited to see what Joe Brady is going to be able to do with this offense see if he can bring in some new stuff um the, the big factor I will say is that um, the Pan- with the Panthers red zone scoring offense, it was just utterly dominated by Christian McCaffrey. Um, he scored 11 rushing red zone touchdowns, which was only second to Zeke Elliott. Um, and then he also was just targeted in the passing game more than DJ Moore, uh, 14 to 12. And he scored three touchdowns in the red zone. Um, so I'm a little bit skeptical there. I'm just hoping that, DJ Moore with like a new offense with the new coach can kind of up his overall scoring output. Cause he only had four touchdowns last season. Um, so I'm kind of hoping for a positive touchdown regression there. Um, and part of that reasoning is because I just wanted to take a look at some of um, LSU's efficiency numbers. And I, I know that LSU college football is not the same as the NFL, but with that being said, there was still uh, the number one ranked, OFEI team, which uh, represents the per possession scoring advantage a team's offense would um, would be expected to have on a neutral field against an average opponent. Um, they were number one in explosive drive rate and number five in touchdown rate. So I'm hoping that with DJ Moore being the clear number one option there, I mean, they've got Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel waiting in the wings. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is, of course, more of a pass catcher than a running back, I would say. Um, I'm just hoping we get a little bit more out of a little bit more out of DJ Moore, and you don't have to use a first round pick on him, and he might be a wide receiver one. So, well, I really like this pick, but do we, Jordan? Do you have one for the AFC South? Oh, shots fired! Oh, yes. Did we just jump to NFC South right away? Oh, well done, Nicholas. Knowing how knowing how uh, the divisions work, because I was totally playing along. I was like, yeah, he's in the South. 
I'm not yeah, gonna I just, lie. I got... This jumbled me on more than one category, and I had to like backtrack a lot. <laughs> so I I do think it's worth pointing out that this just I think this overall speaks to um, both of these divisions seem to have a really narrow uh, array of players to select from because I definitely ran into trouble looking at uh, other options that you guys picked on the list and trying to avoid them. And it, it's it's interesting that some of these dudes we're talking about have such uh, tremendously high ceilings. Like these guys, a lot of these dudes that we'll end up talking about, uh, very good fantasy draft picks, but there really aren't very many of them. And it's 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 interesting. And I, I guess I'm realizing that a lot of the AFC and NFC South are uh, high-powered offenses, but very narrow uh, mm-hmm. fantasy scoring trees, if that makes sense. And that's 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 great. We we like to find that, right? We want to see, yeah. get somebody who's got a ton of targets uh, or a, a big workload coming their way. Otherwise, AFC South, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on like AJ Brown or Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is going to be doing everything. Yeah, I guess it just depends on where he would fall. But I've again without DeAndre Hopkins, I I was just like really struggling to find somebody outside of Derrick Henry, and I just I ended up going outside the conference. (laughs) I ended up breaking all the rules just to find someone. Uh, all right, let's talk league winners in the AFC South. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us off? Cool. So um, I feel kind of fiery about this one. Marlon Mack is is going to be my, my league winner for the AFC South. Um, he is currently going as the uh, 86th overall player. When we're looking at the prospects of the Indianapolis Colts for 2020 and specifically the, the Colts' backfield, uh, we see Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, if you're so inclined, which is a bandwagon I've never been on, uh, and Jonathan Taylor. Taylor is obviously a, a studly ball carrier. He does not bring really anything uh, in the passing game. Mike Brenner on the ECR podcast a while back noted that he had dropped eight of 50 targets. That's a, a very high number of, of, uh, of, of dropped balls. Um so he's a one-dimensional dude. Now he's terrific, and he's going to be running behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. This is a, a, a schedule that's very similar to the, the Titans. It's it uh, it, it soft as hell, uh, both passing, but especially on the ground. I, I think Sharp Football has them as either the, the second or first uh, softest slate of run defenses for 2020. So we love what this backfield, uh, the, the prospects – that this backfield has uh, a note from uh, Sharp Football's, or no, uh, just sharpfootballstats.com, not their 2020 preview. Uh, Indianapolis had the third highest run rate in one score games in, t- in 2019. They, they like to pound the rock. Um, but this is very similar to what I was talking about with Darrington Evans. There's no off, uh, no real offseason here. Jonathan Taylor, he, he's going to be good. And like I think he should be flexed or started as a running back too every week but he's going significantly higher than Marlon Mack. And I think to start the season, this is going to be pretty close to a 50-50 backfield. And again, we have Marlon Mack coming up the board as the uh, running back or, or as the uh, 86th overall player. Meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor is going off the board uh, 52. Like give me the dude who's, who's 30 draft slots lower. And I think for at least a third or half of the season, will be producing at the same, or at least have the, the same opportunity afforded to him uh, to begin the season. And something to keep in mind, I do like uh, playing the long game. Obviously, like I was mentioning, DeAndre Washington is a great late round pick. The season could end halfway through. And if your league or, or you know, whatever high stakes league you're playing in it in just ends at like week seven, 
if Marlon Mack has not lost his rights to half the, the carries at that point in time, you are going to have a really high scoring running back and, you know, play, play to win early this year. Cause we don't know if, if we're going to get 17 weeks, we might only get a few. And if you're, you know, top, top scoring in your league, Marlon Mack's going to be in a great position to help you. I will uh, talk about Jonathan Taylor later, but I a hundred percent agree with everything you just said. I agree to a point in that I, I believe that Marlon Mack, just for the sake of Jonathan Taylor being a rookie, that he'll have a pretty firm grasp on just the playbook, the offense, you know, being able to uh, work with his offensive line really well. Um, but I, I just really do think it's a matter of time before Jonathan Taylor takes over. Um, I just think he's a better player. And um, I, I think the Colts just, this is a, of course, a narrative, but I think they drafted him very highly for a reason that they're just like eventually want to either replace Marlon Mack or they just liked JT a lot better. So um, if I'm going after Marlon Mack, I I do like the idea of having him like that late in the draft and being like, all right, I'm just going to get out to a hot start and have him help me get propelled to five, six, seven wins right away. Just get this late round guy let him propel me and I will hang on, hang on to my ass. If I uh, need a contingency plant later in the season, Jordan, who's your league winner in the, in the AFC South, AFC South, AFC South, okay. the Texans, <laughs> Titans, uh, Colts or Jaguars. Um, so I'm here to give uh, resident old man, Clark Barnes, some, uh, some happiness. I'm going to stand in for him. I'm going to say league winner rolled the dice on David Johnson at uh, 49th overall in draft value. It's the only reason I have him on here is 49th overall. <laughs> um, it, he, I just feel like with this, he has a lot to prove. Um, he was a running back who at a time was one of the best in the league. And then he just got completely shut down and replaced in Arizona, shipped off. He and Bill O'Brien have had to hear how, all offseason long how uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who is a much better player in Arizona, definitely won that side of the deal. But they had to hear it all offseason long that they shipped DeAndre Hopkins away for, you know, a, a busted running back and a bucket of nails or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I think that if David Johnson is healthy, that he will get a lot of attention from the offense because I don't know why I just feel like Bill O'Brien's one of those guys who's just like I have something to prove here and I'm going to make sure that uh, I am seen as a smart football executive and I will prove it by shoving the ball down David Johnson's throat and um, you just kind of hope at 49th overall that maybe he you know touches a little bit of what he did in 2018 just a season ago Um, when he finished RB9 in PPR and RB10 in standard. uh, This was before Kyler Murray, before um, they had even a resemblance of a running game in Arizona. It was a garbage offensive line. And um, again, I I think it's pretty decent value, especially if uh, for whatever reason, you might've missed out on a couple of the running backs going ahead of him, like um, James Conner and Mark Ingram, both of whom I like better, but just in case, uh, you know, you, you had to settle for David Johnson. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, foreshadowing. I'll, I'll address my, my thoughts on DJ a little bit later in the show. Bing pot. 
Well, I am a fan of David Johnson. Obviously, I've spent many an hour on this show talking about my love for David Johnson. And I'll stick with the Houston Texans because my league winner is also on there and also was a part of a trade this year. And that's Brandon Cook's wide receiver. Obviously, the Texans have a completely revamped receiving core now uh, without DeAndre Hopkins. And you're opening up a shit ton of targets that someone's got to get. And I know Nick loves Will Fuller to take a bunch of those. And I love me some Brandon Cooks to take a bunch of those. Brandon Cooks, uh, and I feel like I've said this on the show before. Maybe I haven't, but let's let's dive down Brandon Cooks' stat line. One of the things that I have often said that worries me is wide receivers transitioning to different offenses. We have seen it before where Odell Beckham, you've seen it, and this is one of the reasons people might have tempered expectations for DeAndre Hopkins this year. Brandon Cooks is a speed threat down the field whom has played for 2016, 2017, 2018, played for three different teams, and each time racked up 1,000-plus yards and at least five touchdowns and at least 110 targets, uh, no matter what. So that was with the Saints, with the uh, Patriots, and with the Rams, and now he's going to the Texans where there's going to be – there is a lack of a number one, true number one receiver there. They are going to be looking for that. I think Cooks is can step right into there and – pretty much effortlessly be a wide receiver one there. Uh, Obviously the biggest worry with him is his recent history concussions and staying on the field. That being said, he missed only two games last year for the Rams. And before that was playing all 16 games uh, without too much problem. So the concussions is certainly something to take into consideration and think about, but he is going as what the wide receiver. If I was really good, I'd have this already up, but Wide receiver 36, right below Will Fuller. Will Fuller's going wide receiver 35. So, And that's the 88 pick overall. So I, I just think that the value there is way too good to, to pass on him. I think he's my pick to be the number one wide receiver in Houston, by at least from a target standpoint. And so I'm, I'm buying him everywhere. If you're, I, I might um, have to reconsider. Okay, go for it. I was just going to say, if you're targeting like one of Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks, especially if they go back-to-back like that it's kind of just a race to see who might get uh who might miss a couple weeks or a couple plays first because it just seems like now now that I'm like reflecting on it when you're talking about Brandon Cooks's concussions and I just talked about David Johnson I'm like this team overall this team is, is pretty, has a lot of injury potential shape. <laughs> they have, yeah they have a lot of it like even on the other side of the ball whether that's JJ Watt or something like that it's it's tough over there in Houston I'm sorry Clark so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we can take the concussion issue lightly. I think he has five of them. Uh, his production has severely dropped off as of late. Uh, it's a wide receiver changing teams. I know he's uh, had success doing that before, but that's, I think, more of an exception to the rule. Uh, I do think that Will Fuller is the top dog there. And I, for Cooks is just, he's on like a do not draft list for me. Um, if, he, if he falls terribly, um, then, then I could consider it, but there's just, I mean, you know, Fuller goes a few picks, uh, yeah, four picks before him. Mac goes one, uh, three before him. Uh, I prefer Gronk, um, Carson Wentz, carry on Johnson, Marvin Jones goes after There's just, it's just an area where, uh, I'm just not going to end up with any of him Cause he he's, he's to me, nothing more than just a like total flyer. Uh, Beer bet, Brandon Cooks has a better season than Will Fuller fantasy-wise. Yeah, done. Done. 
Uh, all right, let's get to not drafting from the AFC South. Uh, and I'll start us off. I alluded to it. Jonathan Taylor, I'm not touching. Uh, he is currently going, and we've talked about this, but Jonathan Taylor is going as the running back, what, like 20-something? Uh, Jonathan Taylor, wide receiver, running back 24, 52 overall. Uh, guys around him, David Johnson, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert. Kareem Hunt is down there. I would rather have Kareem Hunt over Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Mark Ingram is right around there too. For me, it's like Nick was talking about, Marlon Mack. The Ma- Mack, I think, has this job locked down to start. Who knows if we're playing a full season? I also, I'm, and maybe it's my own bias. I'm giving every rookie this year a big knock. Like, I just, I just don't think that rookies are really going to make a true impact this season because of the weird offseason. I think it's going to just be a wonky season to come into. Uh, and especially if we're playing like five to six games before things get shut down, I don't, I don't trust. Taylor to come in and kind of have the immediate impact that a lot of people are thinking and that he's being drafted as he's being drafted as an RB two. I don't think that he's going to produce that uh, this year. Yeah. So I like, like I touched on with the, the Mac uh, section Taylor, I think he's got a shot at 12 to 15 touches out of the gate. I think that's enough to be flexible every week. And I think that he'll have boom uh, RB two weeks. And uh, I think as the season progresses, he will solidify himself as a running back too. But the cost to get him at uh, the 52nd overall pick, that's beginning around five. There's just a lot of quality around there. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, I'm, I'm real into both of those Hell yeah. guys. I take those guys um, ahead of them, no problem. Yeah, and, you know, I just – if I, it's, it's one of these decisions where there, there are offenses um, that are really high scoring, and it's nice to get – exposure to them but the way that i want to do that with indianapolis is to just get mac 30 picks later but yep. i can't i like he's so good in in the, the offensive line there i don't know it's it's not for me but i get it if, if somebody does pick him i don't get it i don't understand or respect anyone who picks him jordan you better not say you picked him well this one it just depends on how the draft board lies for me like i can't reasonably say that i'm going to stay away from jonathan taylor altogether I think that like with him and Clyde Edwards Hilaire those are like the only two like rookies overall that I would think of like drafting in like the middle of the draft the rest I'm just like yeah whatever we'll see what happens um those those two guys though I think are the only ones uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably a little bit higher because it seems like he's got grasp on the starting job but that's all I'll say on it Uh, All right. Well, you guys both have the same player who you're not drafting. uh, And I don't know which of you wants to start us off yet, but, (laughs) but go ahead, Jordan, why don't you take it? Uh, So yeah, it's Leonard Fournette. Um, I'm just not comfortable drafting him, especially not comfortable drafting him for as high as, um, as high as he's going right now in, in fantasy leagues, he's still kind of being drafted like he's a RB one, which is, a little crazy um he's he was 34th in total rushing value last season um according to football outsiders which is uh right under uh nick's guy that he was just talking about deandre washington so i think you can get a little bit better of a value for a total rusher if you just wait for deandre washington to fall into (laughs) your lap for possibly free and he's probably the better runner um one thing i looked at for uh leonard fournette and for the jacksonville jaguars last year is that there are a few guys on the line that I like um, that are pretty good, 
but they were just not very good at running or at run blocking last year. So per football outsiders, they have um, adjusted line yards, which basically measures um, how good an offensive line is at providing the rushing yards and uh, open field yards, which is how much the running back produces. So if a team has a low adjusted line yardage, but a high open field yardage, that means they depend a lot more on the running back to produce rushing yards. And they were 27th in adjusted line yardage and fourth in high open field yards. So that just means they're dependent on Leonard Fournette to generate them rushing yards. And this guy is just a churner who is not going to get you a lot of very big explosive plays anymore. Um, I think this might be a little bit of a reason why they got Chris Thompson in the backfield just to get him a little bit more explosion. Raquel Armstead might be the guy um, after a month of the season if they don't feel like they've got what they need out of Leonard Fournette or if they actually find a trade partner. It's just a, a bit of news. Adam Schifter has announced that the deadline for players to opt out is Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. But as far as uh, Fournette goes, so, um, yeah, Jay Gruden came to town. He brought his preferred pass catching back, like you just said, Jordan, in, uh, in Chris Thompson. Last year, I was really high on Leonard Fournette because of the expected receiving game workload with one-year offensive coordinator John Filippo coming to town. He received exactly 100 targets. He got 76 of them for 522 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, that's a lot of yardage. That's a lot of passing game opportunity, which carries way more value than a rushing uh, opportunity that is just out the window. One, because Gruden's not going to give it to him, and two, because he's going to give that opportunity to Chris Thompson. Uh, so what you have is a bad running back that will get a high volume of carries, who's going 30th overall, the team has openly talked about trading him. They tried to trade him before um, the the draft this year. He has had issues with what could be described as motivation, but also we. I'm, well, I guess yeah, this fits underneath it. But like we cannot forget last year having like his best usage season uh, of his career, and he ends up uh, his quote from the bye week was. Leonard, what did you do during your double bye week? Because they had that weird. Anyway, uh, he said nothing. I stayed in bed and ate gumbo every day. So he doesn't work out. He the team wants to get rid of him, and now he, he he's having his passing game usage taken away from him. Don't draft Leonard Fournette. It doesn't matter if he falls to the fifth round. Don't take this guy. He he might get cut. The contrarian in me really wants to come back with some hot take that like, oh, and maybe if you guys noticed, he initially was my league winner <laughs> because I was like, let's bring the fire. Uh, that and, is then funny. I went, and then I went away from it because I was like, well, actually the fire would get doused real quickly. I, I want to like, I, I do want to, <sighs> I know, I know. I think you guys have all brought up really good points uh, about Leonard Fournette. I have been really back and forth on him this year. And I think ultimately you guys are probably right. And I probably will not draft him anywhere, but I have a really, I do have a hard time letting go of someone who I just, I don't know who else. I don't trust Chris Thompson to really be so much of an impact that he is like suddenly going to be a hundred target back in this offense. And I don't trust anyone else in this offense really to do like, except for DJ chart to do anything. And so I guess I have a hard time feeling like this offense isn't going to move on the legs of Leonard Fournette. And maybe it's going to be wildly inefficient, 
but give me 300 touches and 10 touchdowns. And just, I don't care how it gets done, but I'll take it. So, I mean, let's, let's do a beer bet that he's going to have um, under five and a half touchdowns. Um, the thing with, with, I mean, so one, he, he was like impossibly bad in the receiving game last year. Average passes to running backs on average, just go for like 7.1 or 7.2 yards. He was averaging like five, like 5.2. Like I, I, you have to try to be that bad in the receiving game. Uh, that's off the top of my head. So if I got some decimals wrong, but um, 6.9 yards per reception. So pretty close nice. to seven. No, I might be super <laughs> target. Anyway, 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 or uh, well, still, that's like be better. Yeah, it's five point two yards um, per target. Five point two yards per target. Okay, okay. Um, hey, so I didn't have that. Uh, but anyway, the thing is, he he before that he had had like forty some targets per season, and I think the year after that he had like twenty some, and then he went to hundred. He's going to go back down to his his norm, and whatever his norm is, that's then going to get hit by whatever Chris Thompson takes. So, like anyway, I, I just it's fair. These are all fair things. I just have a, I. I, I think I'm leaning more towards you guys. He is just one of these backs who I feel like is in this, like I am the offense workload. And I personally am someone who doesn't, re- I, I have yet to fully make the transition to like efficiency and beauty of actual play and being like, fuck it. If you get me points, I don't care how you get them to me. So we'll see how he ultimately, like I, I do think that the biggest thing is I think you guys both hit it and Nick's especially is like, the team doesn't want him. So that's not really a great sign. Or is it a sign that they're just going to run him to the ground? Who knows? Uh, all right. We got a lot more to talk about and we are, we are rambling on. So let's quickly buzz through our late sleepers for the AFC South. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us off? Late sleeper, Duke Johnson Jr. Uh, David Johnson is not a good interior north-south runner. That is what Bill O'Brien uh, does with his, his lead running backs. Uh, David Johnson has a, uh, he had a lingering back injury last year. He's got a pretty extensive injury uh, list. And we like to have our game where we joke about the fact that it, he hurt his wrist. Well, now it's a back and back injuries don't go away. I don't know if I just said this already, cause I'm trying to speed through it, but he's 29 years old. He's at the precipice of when running backs fall, fall off a cliff completely. Uh, I, you know, he's, he's going, there's <laughs> the dog. He doesn't like David Johnson either. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, DJ's, he's going like the fourth or fifth round and instead you can get Duke Johnson jr. Uh, as he, in some leagues, he's not being drafted and in others, he's going, uh, as the 149th overall pick. I think Duke has a, a shot at uh, a workload of like eight touches per game with DJ in there. And if DJ gets hurt, which I'm surmising that he will, then he's got, access to like 18 touches per game there's nobody else on the depth chart that i'll have to compete for and you know how can you you can't really have a bad 149th pick in the draft it's fair jordan we are both i think we're both talking about potential number two weapons in the uh, indianapolis colts offense am i am i wrong in in saying that yeah (laughs) (laughs) you are (laughs) damn it I don't, oh, okay. I don't, I'll go with I'll go with mine because I just don't know how much mine is a sleeper, so I can just breeze through it. Um, does Philip Rivers count as a sleeper? Sure, um, take it. Go ahead. This kind of ties into one of my NFC South NFC South talking points, um, but it's Philip Rivers because he's QB twenty three and one hundred forty eighth overall, and I'm just kind of like you know what, playing in a dome, new team, new motivation. 
like an actual real NFL offensive line to stand behind and deliver passes to is always good. And it's, it's one of those, especially if you're the type of drafter who you're like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson or bust. Oh, I didn't get them early in the draft. I'm waiting, 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 waiting (laughs) until you get to the point where there aren't any QBs left on the board, but uh, possibly Philip Rivers and his 11 children. So who knows? (laughs) I like, I mean, and, and maybe we weren't both talking about potential number two receivers. I am talking about potential number two receiver. I like Paris Campbell. Uh, as a deep late sleeper for this offense, because again, my, my personal bias against rookies this year, Michael Pittman jr. I don't think is going to necessarily come in and shock the world and be that number two receiver for the, for the Colts. I think ultimately it'll probably pay, play out T Y Hilton, Jack Doyle. And then uh, I think Paris Campbell is going to be the guy who kind of comes in and fills that role. He, when he started last year, he only played, what, seven games last year. When he started, though, he saw at least five targets. Uh, he had three games in which he started. He had five targets uh, in two of those and eight in another one. So when he's on the field for the most amount of snaps, he gets involved in the offense. And I think just having even just one extra year in the system, I think this could be a year where he emerges as a real potential weapon uh, and, and probably a solid flex contributor. Uh, uh, in in this year yeah truth be told this was a guy that i actually wanted to talk about but didn't want to have it uh, doubled up yeah uh the, the only thing i'm gonna add is that uh as as far as i understand reports indicate currently that campbell has the inside track to getting the slot receiver role uh which obviously philip rivers has been peppering with targets for as long as we can remember bingo yeah we, uh, we would have been oh, up tripling up on it too but i thought that you had paris <laughs> campbell on it and i'm just like nah, no yes uh, well, there you go. This is Paris Campbell gets a full thumbs up from the RB1 podcast. Um, all right. Well, we quickly, little, little peeling back the uh, onion curtain, we uh, just had a conversation, the three of us, about whether or not we want to talk about the NFC South. And we decided, you know what? We've already been talking for an hour. Why do the injustice to the South? As Jordan said, really, the NFC South is actually more exciting. Somehow, we talked about the AFC South, which really just offers Derrick Henry for like 45 minutes. So props to us for just kind of uh, spouting things and going on tangents. But anyways... We want to give the NFC South the respect it deserves. So we are going to actually save that for Wednesday slash coming out on Thursday, Thursday show. Uh, So you will listen to that. Then we are just going to leave the AFC South for this episode. So that's all we got. So make sure you subscribe to the fake teams podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We are there. Uh, And that's how you'll not only get us, but our fantasy baseball and basketball podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB one podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M Rogers, follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you on Thursday. Congratulations to Clark Barnes, who got married over the weekend. What, what? So he'll be on uh, to hopefully tell us how that went. Until then, peace.